Good morning, everyone. So, any questions this morning? Tim? Could you maybe explain the song we first sang this morning? Yeah. Prabhati Giti, my Bhakti Vinod Thakur. This is a song that was a very much a, a favorite of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. And uh, Sri Bhakti Raksav Sridhar Goswami Maharaj uh, incorporated this song, singing the song into his morning program at the Sri Chaitanya Saraswati Mat. So we also sing this in the morning daily at Audarja. It's a very nice song. Bhaktivinodhaku says, Kali Kukura Kadana. Nadi Chauhe. A little misspelling there. It should be Kali Yuga. Kali Yuga Pavan. Kali Bhayana Shana. Sri Satinandana Gauhe. He says that um, he uh, addresses his mind and he makes a comparison to the madness of his own mind. We all have the experience of that. And, of course, the mind is mad because of what we feed it. We, we feed the mind with the objects of the senses through the medium of our senses. We contact whatever it is, reality, being, we get in, uh, we contact sense objects, we get messages, and they relate to the mind. And the mind says, "Good, bad, cold, hot, happy, sad." And as I've mentioned many times, the world is then created inside of the mind. We live in a mind. We're the sovereign lord of the world of our mind, but it's a very small picture of reality because. What's happy for you may be sad for me. What's good for you may be bad for me. So, which is it? Is it good? Is it bad? That's all relative to our mind's determination based on the input from the senses. And with the, through the medium of the senses, we get a very small picture of what's, what, what, what possibilities there are in life. It's not because we have eyes that we can see. It's not because we have ears we can hear. It's not because we have a mind we can think. All these things are getting in the way, getting in the way of our seeing and hearing and thinking. The soul is the thinker, the seer, the hearer, the experiencer, the knower. We're like peeping through a little hole in the fence to see the other side. We're trying to make life out of what we can see and make that the full life. So... The mind is disturbed and mad, difficult to control, because we are feeding it with sense objects that are manifestations of material nature that are uh, that don't endure. They're non-enduring. You follow me? Here today and gone tomorrow, right? So. The mind cannot be steady 
be peaceful when we are bringing it in touch with objects that are constantly in flux, moving, changing. I married a beautiful young girl and she became an old hag. Or I married a beautiful, handsome young man and he became a couch potato. So all these objects are transforming, not much differently than when we, what we experience in a dream, how things rapidly change. You embrace a person, he turns into a, into a demon, into, into a tree, into your sister. Uh, <laughs> but it's that it goes at a slower pace in our waking state. The transformation of material objects is constant. And so we are locating ourselves, so to speak, in relation to our mental identification with a realm that's very much uh, in, in flux and you cannot get, uh, get your balance. It's like being on, a, on a, a train and never arriving, never quite arriving. Like sitting down for a meal and only getting appetizers never getting the full meal, disconcerting. So the mind is disturbed. This is why. If we can learn to fix the mind on that which is immovable, eternal, then mind will become peaceful. Of course, it's so mad that we've been feeding it for so long with, in, with sense objects, that it's difficult to do that. But this is the process of uh, spirit. This is what is involved in spiritual practice. Central to spiritual practice is controlling the mind. It, it's not an easy task. And Arjun questioned his own ability to do that. And when Krishna replied to him in the Gita, he didn't say, no, it's easy. He said, yeah, you're right. Arjuna said, difficult to control the mind. He compared it like trying to capture the wind. Krishna said, yeah, it's, it's true, it is difficult. But abhyasena tu vairagena chagrihita. He said, it's possible. But practice and detachment. So detachment means in a healthy way, relative to our circumstance, we have to withdraw from the sense objects. Certain sense objects, in the very least, will not all be favorable for our pursuit of Krishna consciousness. If we're a yati or a monk or renunciate, the standard of our withdrawal from sense objects will be different than that of a grihasta, who has to work in the world and be involved with family affairs and so forth and so on. But the spirit of both is the same. So that withdrawal, that is the detachment, and the practice is feeding the mind something else, harikata, hearing about Krishna. And so there are so many books, we should try to read them, study them, fill the mind with this, and hear and chant about Krishna. So at any rate, here, Thakur Bhakti Vinod says, he compares the madness of his mind to Kali Yuga. It's a 
maddening uh, time. He says it's like a mad, mad dog can bite you at any minute. Very dangerous. Uh, at any minute, the mad dog will bite you. So he says, "Oh, my mind, you are like the miserable dog of Kali Yuga." But if you want deliverance from the difficulty, the fear that pervades the Kali Yuga, then you sing the name of Gorari Sachinandan. Jai Sachinandan, Jai Sachinandan. And then he begins to describe that beautiful son of Sachi. And naturally he describes him in relation to his devotees. This type of uh, description, it's a type of Nam Kirtan. There are different kinds of names of God. There are primary names of God and there are secondary names of God, for example. When Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went to, to um, Kashi, Banaris, Chandrasekhar was there, Tapan Mishra. He had actually sent them there. They didn't know why. But later he came there on his way to Vrindavan. There were no devotees there. It's a place of uh, Mayavadis and Gyanis. They were feeling very bereft there, no association. But one day, while at the bathing ghat, they saw a beautiful young sannyasi bathing there. And they had heard a rumor that, that Nimai Pandit had taken sannyas some time ago. So they now he was without his beautiful hair and leading a life of a renunciate. So he looked a little different to them, but they could put two and two together. That he's such a beautiful young man and a sannyasi, and we heard that Nimai Pandit had taken sannyas. So they approached him, and surely it was him. So he stayed at Tapan Mishra's house, and and there were many Mayavadi sannyasis in the town. The devotees complained, we never hear the names Yashoda Nandana, Sham Sundar, Radha Madhava, Radha Govinda here. If we were hear, hear anything even remotely r- resembling names of the Lord, it's Brahman, Paramatman, these kinds of names. So these are secondary names of God. And primary names of God means those names of God that speak of him in relation to his devotees and thereby transport us into the Leela. God has Leela because of his interaction with his Shakti. That means his devotees. All the Parshadas, the immediate associates of the Lord, they are all um, manifestations of his Swarup Shakti. We are Tatastha Shakti. But we may become influenced by Swarup Shakti in such a way as to enter into the Leela. That is the ideal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, to come under the influence of the Lord's Swarup Shakti. Now we're under the influence of the Maya Shakti. So these names of the Lord in relation to his devotees, they are primary names, primary in the sense that they, they, are, they are each one 
is describing him in relation to his sport, his lila. This is his primary function, which is to do nothing but whatever he wants to do. We all want to do whatever we want to do, whenever we want to do it. This is our situation. And uh, we, we, we're supposed to grow up and realize it's not possible. But the Krishna consciousness says, no, it's, it's possible. Don't grow old and give up your hopes and become bitter. Settle for less. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And this is how. Make your will one with Krishna's. He does whatever he wants, whenever he wants. So if you identify with him, then you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. That is his position. That's called Leela, as opposed to karma. Karma is work that has to be done, obligatory work. You have to do that. I have a bumper sticker. You know the term bumper sticker? Forgive me. In the United States it says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. So in the karmic world, like I mentioned last night, in the realm of karma, with every movement we make, we become indebted only. It's like um, quicksand. The more you move, the more you go down. When I was a kid, they used to have movies of Tarzan. And someone would get stuck in the quicksand, and then he would say, don't move, don't move. The more he would move, the more he would go down. The Tarzan would swing in on a rope and, and pull him out. So our movement within the realm of karma is all going backwards. All our material progress, all taking us backwards only, in making a, incurring, we're incurring a debt by that. Looks like we're going somewhere, but from the broader perspective of becoming more and more indebted. So this is work. Karma means work that's obligatory. You've you've taken and now you have to pay for that. You've eaten and now it has to come out. <laughs> so you may like to eat, but not might like to pass stool, but you cannot avoid <laughs> if you eat. So. But Leela's is a different affair. Then this is free movement, no ramifications, uh, uh, like in the realm of karma. This is the movement of the absolute, and it is uh, selfless rather than selfish. That's why it's non-binding. So, the names of the Lord, in relation to His devotees, they all transport us into. The Leelas of the Lord. These are primary names. They're very dear to Krishna. Because what is dear to Krishna is his devotees. Why is that? Because the very existence of those devotees, Krishna is dependent upon his existence for them. It's a very interesting point. Krishna is the is the is that face of ultimate reality that corresponds with the particular condition of the heart of this, of, this, of this individual soul. That's why he says, I'm in the hearts of my devotees. When 
Krishna tried to appear as in in a Vasant Rasalila in the springtime Rasalila, described in Gita Govinda, and cited to some extent in Chaitanya Charitamrita. In that Rasalila, Krishna tried to appear before the gopis with four hands. They just paid obeisances to him and asked, "Where can we find Krishna?" He tried to appear before, with four hands before Radha, but he could not. Force of her love, her heart would not allow it. Had to show two hands. He couldn't. So this idea is that the heart of the devotees and Krishna are one. Krishna is that face of the absolute that corresponds with that condition of the heart of full self-giving, more than self-sacrifice, but self-forgetfulness. Self-sacrifice that will take us to Vaikuntha. It's a conscious sacrifice that we make because it's the right thing to do, dutifully. But the Brajlila means there's no thinking about that. It's Gyan Shunya Bhakti. Mind is not knowledge. It's a Bhakti that's unencumbered by knowledge, free movement. They are not doing because they should. In fact, they are so the 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 what it's said to give us access to that leela is greed. The word greed is used lobha. You might have heard the word lobha. So what is the nature of greed? If we have greed in this world, then we do things that are unbecoming, right? We do things that are embarrassing when we look back at them greedy. So, similarly, this word has been used for the uh, for those in the Brajlila, they are greedy for Krishna. What happens, the idea is that Krishna is God, but they deal with him in a way that's unbecoming, in one sense. It's un- and therefore the people of Vaikuntha think, what is that? How can you deal with God like that? Wrestling him to the ground, chasing him with a stick, like Mother Yasoda. This is not the way to deal with God. But it's pleasing to Him. Nonetheless, it's a very special thing. Difficult, actually, to understand. So, to become greedy for God, that is uh, our idea of uh, Krishna consciousness. And this is the ticket to enter into that kind of leela. So, he says, Rajendananda and Krishna, through the pen of Krishna, that's Kaviraj Goswami in Chaitanya Charitamrita. I'm not very pleased, actually, with those people who worship me with prayers from the Vedas and uh, with all types of respect. But uh, when someone treats me like their son, like their friend or lover, this is very attractive to me. So these names that depict those leelas are described in Lord in relation to devotees, very attractive to him. They will call his attention to us very quickly. So these primary names of God, they're, they're uh, important to us. Bihari. So here he then Bhaktivinoda proceeds to describe the Lord in relation to different devotees. He says, Godad Madana, 
Nidaya Pranadana, Advaita Prabhujita. So these are the some of the principal associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Gadadhar. Gadadhar Madana means he's the cupid of Gadadhar. Gaur and Gadadhar, the combination of these two, that is um, very special. It means that Gaur is Krishna and Gadadhar is Radha. Gaur has Gaur is Krishna, he's taking the bhava of Radha, but Radha is present in the Leela nonetheless as Gadadhar. But because Gaur has stolen her bhava, Gadadhar is attached to Gaur, following him everywhere. He's like an empty bag, a bag whose contents have been taken out. Pujapadshidhar Marsh described him as being a zero Gadadhar. This is poetry, of course, a poetic way of speaking about it. He was so empty and therefore so needy that if we approach Gaur and Gadadhar, Gadadhar has great, is Radha in Gaurlila with great necessity. Krishna has stolen my, my, my bhava and my luster, the rascal. I have to get the back. So to serve Gadadhar is, is in Gorlila is to serve Radha in an hour of great necessity. When we say uh, she's in a negative position, uh, we don't mean it negatively. We mean that it's a good thing. Because Krishna is positive, like a magnetic pole. Krishna is positive. If we assert ourselves as positive, as we do with our material ego, that will repel Krishna like two positive magnets repel one another. But if, if we develop negatively, so to speak, hum, humility, recognize we, have, we, we, we really have nothing to put forward and to be proud about and so forth, this will attract Krishna. It's said if a sadhu finds a humble person, he's found, a, found an, a, a, an ear... The, the worth pouring something into, because it will go down in, into, into the heart. If Mahaprabhu recommended to us, we should keep ourselves very humble, like a blade of grass. So Gadadhar is like this, very, very bereft, and always attached to Gaur. Uh, and the Madhurja nature of their relationship is brought out here by the word Gadadhar Madana, the Cupid of Gadadhar. Gaur is the Cupid of, of Gadadhar, as Radha sees Krishna. So Gaur is seeing Gadadhar. Bhagavad worshipped Gaur Gadadhar in good room. Nitaya Pranadhana. And Nitai Pran. Uh, the, the life and Nitaya Pranadhana. Entitlements of Nitai. Nitai air of Nitai Pranadhan. Gaur is the life and soul. So now he's speaking about Nityananda Prabhu's relationship with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Like, fr- like a friend, they have a relationship. Nityananda Prabhu is, is, serves Gaur in three ways as a servant, 
as a friend and as an elder, Daoji, older brother, it means, just like Balaram. But primarily, he's, Balaram is the friend of Krishna, Nityananda Prabhu, the friend, like, like brothers. So, in Nityananda Prabhu, directly we don't find Madhurdhya, like in Gadadhar. It's because Nityananda Prabhu's descent, Malaram's descent, along with the Gore, that we find an influence of Sakirasa in Gaudiya Sampradaya. His immediate uh, followers were all the uh, Dwarasa Gopal, the twelve principal uh, Gopals, uh, cowherd friends of Ram and Krishna in Vrindavan. So, like a friend, you can say, my, my life and soul, we are very close, we are alike, we are one. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur has described Nityananda Prabhu like this, Mahaprabhu like this, Nitaya Pranadan, whose life and soul is Nityananda Prabhu, and, and, and Advaita Prabhujita. What was Advaita's relationship with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu? He wanted to worship Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's uh, Mahavishnu, Sadashiva. He did a puja of Shaligram with Ganga, Jal, the water of the Ganges and, and Tulsi and to bring Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's Mahavishnu, Advaitaji. From Mahavishnu comes all avatars. All the avatars are coming from through him to this world. So he brought Gaur. He brought the Yuga avatar aspect of Gaur. There's two sides to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. As Yuga avatar and as uh, distributing the, the Yuga Dharma with Namsa and Kirtan, and as Brajendananda and Krishna seeking the experience of Radha's love. So Advaita worshipped, calling for the Yuga Avatar, and it just happened to coincide with the time of Krishna's uh, desiring to experience the, the love of Radha. So Yuga Avatar is coming, Gornarayan, but Vrajananda Krishna in Radha Bhav is coming in, inside. And so by doing Sankirtan uh, at this time, we can get not only uh, uh, liberation in Baikunta, but we can go to the Brajalila. So, at any rate, Advaita, he called the Lord. He's the source of the avatars, you see. And the Lord is descending through him like an avatar. In other words, when he comes to this world, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu or Krishna, although they are avatari, the source of all avatars, actually, even the source of Mahavishnu, still they come to the world on conventional terms, as if an avatar like Prabhupada once was asked by a reporter in the United States, if you're such a big yogi, why do you take an airplane to come here? Why don't you come on a like, magic carpet or something, flying carpet? So Prabhupada said, well, I, I came on your terms. It's your world, I came on, on your terms. So, 
when Krishna uh, uh, Krishna comes, what happens? Brahma goes, communicates with with uh, Vishnu. Vishnu says, "Yes, I'm coming." And Krishna comes. So some people think Krishna is the eighth avatar of Vishnu. It's a particular angle of vision. You may oppose that as a Gaudiya, but even in Vaikuntha they think like that. Even the liberated souls of Vaikuntha think like that. So you don't have to oppose too strongly. It's a bona fide angle of vision, but it's not the full picture. And we know that, of course, because we are Gaudiya Vaishnavas. And nobody flatters Krishna more than we do. This is the flattery of Bhagavatam, which we draw out. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. And, of course, flattery will get you everywhere with Krishna. To love him is to know him. No one loves him more than the Gaudiyas. So no one knows him better. What is his position? And they've made this proclamation, citing Srimad Bhagavatam and making a whole religion out of this one line of Srimad Bhagavatam. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. How does that appear in Prabhupada's books? I mentioned last night. Over and over and over again. What does he say? The Supreme Personality of Godhead said, the Supreme Personality of Godhead did this, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. That means Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. This is the uh, most important statement of Srimad Bhagavatam in terms of tattva. We have two sides, tattva and bhava. So in terms of tattva philosophy, this is the most important statement. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. It's one line of one verse, and we've made a whole theology out of that. Not every sampradaya will, Vaishnava sampradaya will accept that or understand that, but our um, response is, anyway, we know more about Krishna than you do. What is the proof? We love him more. What do you know about Krishna? What are, you, you don't even accept Bhagavatam as your main book. So how you tell us what Bhagavatam means? We say that all of the scriptures revolve around Srimad Bhagavatam. This is the central hub around which they all uh, orbit. And they have to check. Their, their references have to correspond with Bhagavatam. And if they don't, then we don't take them very seriously. So those who think like this about Srimad Bhagavatam, well, they may understand it better. So, Krishna's Abhutari and Gaur is Krishna. He's Abhutari also. But when they come to the world, they come like Abhutars. So Gaur came at the call of Mahavishnu. That's the idea. He came through Mahavishnu, Advaitaji, Advaita Acharya. But Advaita was no fool. Narayan is no fool. Why did he steal? Same idea. Why did he steal the Brahmin boys? In Krishna Lila and Dwarka, there was one Brahmin, and every time he had a son, the son disappeared. So he complained to the Kshatriyas, who were supposed to protect the Brahmins, what's happening? I'm a religious fellow, and my sons are disappearing. So Arjun said, I'll find them. I live up to the Chatriya name and I'll find them. Because he couldn't find them anywhere. 
So he, then Krishna said, well, he said, he, Arjuna said, I'll commit suicide if I can't find them, retrieve them. So Krishna couldn't allow that to happen. So Krishna took him to Sreta Dweep. There was Narayan with all the sons. When he got there, what did he say? I wanted your darshan, the darshan of Krishna and Arjuna. It means that Narayan himself is attracted to Krishna. Should we not be? Or is there not good reason that we are? Narayan himself is attracted. Narayan offered prayers to Krishna. This is a uh, important chapter of the Bhagavatam that serves to further establish this point. Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Krishna is the supreme personality of Godhead. So Dvaita, Mahavishnu, Narayan. He called the Lord to come, but who came? Not just the Yuga Avatar, Lord Narayan, but Brajendananda and Krishna came in the place of the Yuga Avatar. Very special Kali Yuga. So he knew it, he could understand. But here he was, elder, Advaita, very senior in age, Duchitana Mahaprabhu, most respected amongst the Vaishnavas in the community, teacher of the Gita and the Bhagavatam, leader of Sankirtan and so forth. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's family, Sachimata, Jagannath Mija, they are initiated by him. And so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu naturally showed respect to him. But Advaita could not tolerate that because he knew Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was Krishna and I am an expansion of Narayan. Narayan is the expansion of Mul Sankarshan, coming from Balaram. And what did we learn about Balaram the other day? Bhakta Abhiman. The Bhakta Abhiman, the ego of a devotee, is in Balaram, Nityananda Prabhu. He's always serving Gore. How did Prabhupada describe Balaram? Krishna, Supreme Personality of Godhead, Balaram, Supreme Personality of Godhead, Servitor. He's God, Balaram, just like Krishna, but he has the ego of a servant of Krishna, friend, servant. So in every way he's serving, therefore he expands. We've discussed this, I think, yesterday at some point. As his bed, as his temple, as his thread, the Brahman thread in the case of Gauranga Mahaprabhu, his shoes, his umbrella, in every way serving. So he's the source of the ego of service. So Advaita, he has this ego also. But where can he express that ego? He's Mahavishnu. <laughs> where can he express the ego of serving? That's the problem for him. Now his opportunity has come. Prajendananda and Krishna has come. But he's frustrated throughout the whole Leela. He cannot even still fully express himself as a servant because he's elder and Mahaprabhu is always showing him respect. But Gaur is the worship, Prabhujita. Prabhujita. He's the worshipable Lord of Advaita. So what extremes Advaita went to to establish this, this fact? He was the, known as the speaker of, of Bhagavatam and the Gita amongst the Vaishnavas, always explaining the Vaishnav conception of these books, even though it wasn't uh, popular at the time. 
But at one point, in order to establish the, 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 the truth here, Gore is the worshipable lord of Advaita, not that Advaita is the worshipable lord of Gore. Some sons of Advaita, they couldn't accept that. They couldn't accept that. They wanted to see that, uh, uh, that Gore should worship Advaita. Advaita rejected those sons. The other sons accepted and they are bona fide Gaudiya Vaishnavas. What Advaita did was he began to speak the Bhagavad Gita in such a way that uh, he established Gyan was superior to Bhakti. So when Gauranga Mahaprabhu heard this, what did he do? He went there and chastised the old man, threw him on the ground, and Sita Thakurani said, Oh, he's old now, and you're throwing him on the ground. But he was liking it very much, because now it had been established before everybody in the public that I am um, the servant of Gore. And he is my worshipable Lord. He can do with me as he likes. So, Advaita, Advaita, Prabhujita, Gore. So in this way, as you can see, when we discuss these, when we chant these names, then we are transported into so many leelas of the Lord. So this, this is the power of Nam Kirtan. Inside of the that Nam Kirtan that is made of primary names of God, the, the, the form, the qualities, and the leelas of the Lord are all present. And then he says, Nimai, Vishwambar, Srinivas, Ishwar. So these two names, Nimai and Vishwambar, these are the childhood names of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Dwaita has been mentioned. Now Sita Thakurani comes indirectly. She gave the name, Nimai to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's a very nice Vatsalya name because um, the Neem tree is inauspicious. Uh, it's, aus- it's not only inauspicious, but it's bitter. And it's, it's said to keep away inauspicious uh, influences like, like ghosts and so forth. So to protect Vishwambar Mishra from uh, ghosts and things like that. She gave the name Nimai because the neem tree is bitter, so these keeps keeps these ghosts away. So it's a bitter name, but it has a sweet effect, something like that. This name very much stuck with him. Nimai Pandit he became known as when he started to get his education. So after mentioning Advaita, then his heart is going to Sita Thakurani. And Vatsalya, Bhakti, such Vatsalya she had. Mentioning that, Nimai, then oh, Vishwambar has to come. This is his birth name, Vishwambar. Who's, we may think there is a Maishwarya in this name. In Nimai, there is only Madhurdya, sweetness. In Vishwambar, we may think, oh, this, this is a Maishwarya, maintainer of the universe. But actually, he's maintaining the universe in the sense by, of, of nourishing it, nourishing the universe with, with his bhakti. And that is a very sweet kind of bhakti. So in this way, Bhakti Vinod Thakur is healing. Nimai, Vishwambar, these are, again, uh, names given to him by elders from a heart of, full of uh, Vatsalya bhakti. 
when he comes to Shivas. Shinivas Ishwar. He's another elder of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, house just nearby. His wife, Malani Devi, would accompany Sita Thakurani and other elderly ladies. Every morning they come, the time of Gaur Artik in, in the Mongol Brahma Muhurta, and they assemble. And what is that? And it was Chalayasi, Jatabhadra, Mahilargan. All these elderly ladies, they come. So his mind, his heart is going this way, and there he has to mention Srivas, and such an important devotee of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, whose relationship with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is one of um, servitude, and therefore Srinivas Ishwar, he's the god of Ishwar, of, of Srinivas, he says. Srinivas Ishwar Bhakta Samuhachita Chara. And all these, he's the stealer of the hearts of all of these devotees. Steals away their minds. Nadiya Shashodhar, he says. So all these are devotees from Nadia. So he says, he's the very moon of Nadia, giving soothing uh, light. And moon has nourishing type of effect, as it's thought of in olden times, nourishing the the, the, the vegetables and and so forth. And so, Nadia Shashad, all these devotees of Nadia that he's mentioned, they're all being nourished by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Mm-hmm. The Lord of Mayapur, his birthplace, and uh, Nama Prabhartanusura, he's the he has inaugurated the uh, uh, Nam Dharma, Nam Sankirtan. This from the house of Srivas Thakur, a uh, principal place of the Lord's pastimes for Kirtan, where he revealed, as I mentioned the other night, all the devotees, who they are in relation to him, in, his, in terms of his being. Uh, God himself. In Srivasangam he would act sometimes as a devotee and sometimes he would develop, manifest the bhava of the Ishwar of God. At that time he would call them forward and show them show them their own hearts. All through Namsan Kirtan. So you will know yourself through Namsan Kirtan. This is a good point. So uh, then he says he taught the Nam Dharma, he disseminated the Nam Dharma, and he showed how to apply that Nam Dharma universally. This is what it means. Grihijana Shikshaka Nyashikulanaya. Both as a Grihasta and as a Sanyasi. But you know another place says what? Grihetako. Yes, bane thako, sada hari bole dako. Whether you are a householder or a sannyasi, doesn't matter. As long as you chant the holy name constantly. <laughs> you can't say, grihe thako, bane thako. Don't forget the second part. Sada hari bole dako. <laughs> if you are a householder or sannyasi, no difference if you are constantly chanting the holy name. So, the idea is that the, 
the orientation is a little different, but the business is, is the same for everybody. And Grihastas, they have to have uh, certain facilities that sannyasis or renunciates don't have, and this should be understood by both. The sannyasis shouldn't always be telling the, the uh, Grihastas that they should be living like like sannyasis, and and then the sannyasis taking all their money and living very comfortably for the service of Krishna. <laughs> not, not like that. Of course, the, the service money should be given for the service of Krishna. That's uh, that's true. But some money should be there. Householders should have some money. They need. Mahaprabhu made this point very clear in his leela. One of his devotees couldn't manage his money, was always giving it away to Vaishnavas. He appointed another one, don't let him do that. He needs to keep some money. <laughs> he needs to have some money to have to, in order to take care of himself. It's appropriate in that ashram. But anyway, the point is, whether Grihastu or Brahmachari or Sanyasi, the business is the same. Sada Hari Bolidako, always chant the name of Hari. So Mahaprabhu, He's Nam Prabhatanasur, he's the teacher of the of the Nam Dharma. Every religion says that God's name is sacred. There is some inherent sacredness in the name of God. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has taken a universal principle in the religious world at any rate, and 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 said everybody is saying this. So I've come to teach this. And what are the full ramifications of that? That is called Nam Dharma. So he made a whole religion out of a universally accepted religious principle, which has, therefore, the power to unite all religious people, Nam Dharma. And, as I say, he played out the ramifications of that. It takes us to Krishna Lila and Krishna Nam. Not all names are the same. And as I said, there are secondary names and primary names, and so on and so forth. So he taught all this, and he taught it as a, how, to, how, to, how to apply oneself in Nam Dharma, both as a grihasta and as a sannyasi. So, this is the teaching through the Leela of Mahaprabhu. You can be a householder or you can be a sannyasi. This is not possible in the Gyanmarg. You can't be a householder in Gyanmarg. You have to become a renunciate. So they think oh, the Bhakti Marg is the easy way. Or they think, it is a, they think it is a lesser way because householders are also doing it's lesser. But no, it's more. It's more. Because it, 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 Bhakti Devi extends herself such that even surrounded by worldly things, we can engage in devotional service, make our life successful. Mahabhava taught this. He was a perfect Grihastha. Grihijana Shikshaka and Nyashikula Nayaka. The hero of all the sannyasis struck fear in the hearts of the other sannyasis, like the sober um, Paramananda Puri, Brahmananda Bharati, Keshav Puri, and so forth. These were heavy, elderly sannyasis who are the roots of the tree of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's tree of devotion. Paramananda Puri, Brahmananda Bharati, wearing the deer skin. These were very sober fellows. They were just, uh, and Mahaprabhu was only a 24-year-old lad. They were very senior, uh, sober yatis, ascetics. Uh, and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu were beautiful, 
beautiful young man, only 24 years old. They're all under his power. He's, he's Nyasikula Nayaka. He's the, he's the, he's the hero. It means, uh, like, it means, uh, Nayaka means like, like a, a kind of hero, kind of who would be charming to the ladies. He was, a, but he was the hero of all these sannyasis. They were charmed by him. That's the idea. And he struck fear in the hearts with the standard of his vairagya, following Bhagwan. So he can show vairagya unlimitedly. And he told uh, that he, uh, they were afraid to go to sleep at night if they might dream of of uh, the opposite sex. Mahabharata would, would, would know and maybe chastise them or something. It was very uh, extreme. Un, 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 inhuman, inhuman, unhuman, superhuman. No one can, no one can be as uh, renounced as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. No jnani could have as much knowledge as Nimai Pandit. And he threw it all away. He became a mad bhakta. But in the context of his bhakti, he became a, such a renunciate. And these jnanis, they're proud of their renunciation and their learning. Mahaprabhu's uh, making them look like sense enjoyers in comparison. And and these devotees, Paramananda they're coming like from Gyan Marg and coming to the Bhakti Marg through Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, largely. We find sometimes in them some Advaitin leanings and so forth. Mahaprabhu was bringing a new idea, the central idea of the scriptures, but a hidden idea, bringing it out in a wonderful way. Of course, some of them coming from Madhva's line and so on and so forth, but... Anyway, they were very staunch and senior sannyasis. And Mahabhu was just a young boy. He was the hero. Nyasikula Nayaka. So he taught how to be uh, a devotee as a renunciate or as a grihasta and to apply oneself in this nam, nam dharma that he came to give. And after he mentions the sannyas of Mahaprabhu, then he says Madhava Radha Bhava Pura that he was filled with the bhava of Radha. So this is a nice point, because after Mahaprabhu took sannyas, then he entered into sustained experience of Radha Bhav. This is the higher ideal. This is a nice point. That this type of bhajan, gopi bhav, and so forth, it, uh, it, there's a, a uh, underground uh, of this is um, renunciation. It has nothing to do with what it might appear to look like. So whose heart is clean, who's, who's detached, akinchan, for all such higher ideals. One of my godbrothers once told Prabhupada, he said, Prabhupada, Krishna Babaji Maharaj, your godbrother, he had a, a, a affinity for Sakyarasa. He wanted to talk to Prabhupada about these things. One of my godbrothers. Prabhupada was usually pretty tight-lipped about these topics with his disciples who were one day sannyasis, the next day, who knows what, <laughs> half the time. So he was a little tight-lipped. Anyway, this fellow was bold enough to bring up the topic to Prabhupada and uh, 
he said, Krishna as Babaji Maharaj, your godbrother, he had an affinity for Sakiras, whereas most of the other Gaudiyas, they have affinity for Manjari Bhava, the Gopi Bhava. So when he brought up his name, Prabhupada said, Akinchan Krishna Das Babaji Maharaj. He was known as Akinchan Krishna Das Babaji. You know what Akinchan means? It means no material desire. This is how Prabhupada answered him. Akinchan Krishna Das You want to talk about this? It's Akinchan Krishna Das Babaji. This is, this, is, this is like we call Samadhi Bhashya, those kind of answers. The language you're coming from. Spiritual uh, thinking. You understand? Immediately put it into perspective with one word. Oh, you mean the absolute, selfless, completely detached, renounced, renounced Krishna Das Babaji had affinity for Sakiras. Is that what you want to talk about? This way, scare him away a little bit. Why don't you <laughs> develop a little bit? He said a couple other things, but at that time. At any rate, Mahaprabhu, after he took sannyasa, then he entered into Radhabhava. You know, he did all these uh, internal, uh, his bhajan in Puri and, and so on and so forth. He preached as a sannyasi also, and then he completed his preaching lila, mandi lila, and anti lila. So everything in in time is the point. Nyasikula nayaka, Madhava Radhabhava Pura. Then he goes, uh, He's talking about the Radha Bhava of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so naturally he comes in his heart to Jagannath Puri. The sannyas Lila takes Mahaprabhu to Jagannath Puri, and there, ultimately, after his preaching, he uh, attains the Radha Bhava, tastes the Radha Bhava fully, and teaches how to do that in Vipralamba Seva. And there in Puri, there were so many Leelas. Uh, Sarvavoma, Shodhana, Gajapati, Tarana. He's... Uh, he, he purified the heart of Bhattacharya Sarvabhoma, who was the guru of Puri, very sober fellow. He used to teach uh, the logic, the, the logic of Vedanta to young sannyasis. And you know the story how Mahaprabhu converted him, made him mad, and made him give up his uh, staunch adherence to various principles, to take prasad early in the morning before taking bath, when Mahaprabhu brought it to him, and to measure the extent of his conversion. Uh, so he purified the heart of Sarvabhambhattacharya, Gajapati Tarna, he delivered the Gajapati, Rajpataparudra, from the ocean of worldliness that the king uh, position represents. Tarna means delivered, so he took him out of the ocean of material um, sense enjoyment. Ramananda Poshanavira, and with Ramananda, he's a vira. He's a great uh, lover also. Uh, and he protected uh, Ramananda Rai. Ramananda Rai he met in the south. And he told Ramananda Rai, go to Puri. I'm coming back there and we will spend our days together. So when Raj Prataparudra heard that before I've been meeting Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wanted Ramananda to leave his government post in South India and come and live in Puri. He had become so attracted already to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, seeing how Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had influenced Sarvabhauma. 
he knew this is a very extraordinary person. And so when they, uh, Ramananda came to Puri, abandoning his post to live there, what did the king do? The king gave him a pension for retirement and, and doubled his salary. Stay here with no, pro no problem whatsoever. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wants you here. Sri Krishna Chaitanya wants you here. He, he, he made all arrangements. So this is, of course, inspired in his heart by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. This way he protected this um, Ramananda so that he could live in Puri and have his association. And Rupananda Vardhana Sanatana Palana. He goes now to Rupa Sanatana, who are so important to us because they teach us, by example, how to uh, engage in our uh, lives as sadhakas. Other associates mentioned here, they don't do that in the same way. Rupa Sanatana did that. Therefore, they are so important to us. There are other reasons that they are important to us, but this is one of them. And he mentions them with very nice words, which helps us to understand their contributions. Rupananda Vardhana, Sanatana Palana. Sanatana Goswami is the protector. So he has uh, taught us about Vaidhi Bhakti in Adi Bhakti Vilas and uh, also in much of Vriyat Bhagavatamrita. He's given Sambandha Gyan. This Sambandha Gyan, this kind of knowledge, conceptual orientation is necessary in order to do bhajan. And Sambandha Gyan is a part of Vaidhi Bhakti. We don't do Vaidhi Bhakti to go to Vaikuntha. We do Vaidhi Bhakti with a view to qualify ourselves for Rag Bhakti, this ideal of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. We also call that Ajata Ruchi Raganuga Bhakti. So we practice Raganuga Bhakti in the beginning without any Ruchi. Means hardly at all, but it's your ideal. And meanwhile, you very strictly follow the Vaidhi Bhakti. So Sambandha Gyan is part of that, to, to collect that, to gather that, and get a proper conceptual orientation, because how you're conceptually orientated will determine how you act. So the conceptual orientation given by Sanatana Goswami results in our acting in such a way in devotional service. We follow Rupa Goswami's um, ocean of uh, the nectar of devotion. He says, Rupananda Vardhana. So he, through, uh, he protected Sanatana Goswami, and it means through Sanatana Goswami, he protected us. And Rupa Goswami Vardhana means to increase, like the waves of the ocean. So through Rupa Goswami, he opened the, uh, caused the ocean of Bhakti Rasa to swell into a tidal wave. He wrote Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu and then Ujjval Nilmani, showing us how to take advantage of, how to swim, really, in the ocean of Bhakti Rasa. So, appropriately, he's described them. Rupananda Vardhana Sanatana Palana Haridasa Mordana Dira. Then he goes down to Haridasa Thakur, Namacharja, and the sobriety of Haridasa Thakur with which we have to, um, the way in which we have to give ourselves with some concentration and seriousness to Nam, Nam Bhajan, like Haridas. This is the key to it all. And then he says, Brajarasa, 
he mentions, well, from all this will come the, the Brajrasa, the mellows of Vrindavan. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu says he's absorbed in the Braj mellows. And then right immediately after he says, Dushtamata Shatana, Kapati Bighatana Kama. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is absorbed in, the, in the relishing the, the mellows of Braj Bhakti. And he removes filthy thoughts from the mind, lust, deceit, all these things. So he's juxtaposed these two together here for our benefit, do you understand? The two don't go together, impure mind and the mellows of Braj Bhakti. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give them, but in the context of giving them, destroying these things first. He helps us to get a proper perspective and orientation to such what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the gift that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to give by juxtapositioning these two together, these two state statements. He drives away He drives away empiric knowledge, which obscures the beauty of pure devotion. So first he mentions Kam, now he mentions Gyan. These are the marginal characteristics of Shuddha Bhakti. It's devoid of the desire for karma, means exploiting the world, and devoid of the desire for, for Gyan. These are impediments. Gyan, he says here, it, it obscures the beauty of, of pure devotion. Gyan means, in the, in the least, knowledge of the godhood of Krishna. There's a lesser understanding of that, which is, which seeks to subordinate bhakti to itself. Gyan. This is very unbecoming. There's Gyan Mishra Bhakti, which means bhakti mixed with Gyan, and there's Gyan mixed with bhakti. When Gyan is mixed with bhakti, that is only a sattviki manifestation of bhakti that can take us to mukti, and then we'll, that bhakti will retire. Those jnanis who want mukti, they can't get it without bhakti. So bhakti comes in a sattviki form, a manifestation of sattvagun, to give them, just like the Advaitins talk about. How do the Advaitins describe bhakti? Yes, you do bhakti, you can get gyan. Then you retire bhakti and get mukti. So there's a form of bhakti like that, but that is not the kind of bhakti we are interested in. That is a kind of bhakti that comes to... Uh, protect Krishna from these people. Send them to Sayuja. They bother him. Those who proudly pursue Gyan rather than to serve Krishna. So a form of, they can't get anything without bhakti. So a form of bhakti comes to assist them. But Shuddha bhakti, that is another thing. There's a, there is, there is bhakti that is mixed with Gyan means Bhakti that's mixed with knowledge of the majesty of God in Baikunta or in Dwaraka, these can be considered also Gan Gan Mishra Bhaktas. Their bhakti is uh, mixed with knowledge of the godhood of God. And in the Brajlila that's absent. We call it Gan Shunya Bhakti, Bhakti unencumbered by Gan. No, there's no calculation to their devotion that they serve because he's God. They just do it. They love him. So anyway, after talking about the Brajlila, Mahaprabhu is embodiment of the Brajlila. He came to give that. He says, it has nothing to do with karma. It has nothing to do with jnana. 
This is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He pursues the protector, maintainer, and the constant guardian of his devotees. So sings Bhakti Vinod. Any other question? I actually want to ask this story yesterday, but somehow could be on this too. That about all this lust, anger, greed, I can uh, theoretically understand them and also practically in me. But yesterday, the envy, it is said that we are envious of Krishna, that's one reason we are here. But uh, I, I don't remember when I was envy to somebody. I theoretically, and of course I'm envy, but how do you define it? All well, others I can really concrete find in me, but envy is like, so many times devotees speak about envy, and I'm always like, yeah, I have to be envy too, but I just envy. You have no envy. Yeah, but it sounds, I, I can't believe it. <laughs> Why not? I have so much of other bad qualities, <laughs> so I have to have that too. But I never, even in Sankirtan, I had the devotee I joined with. He always just made really bad sadhana and sort like 60, 70 books. And I did always my 20. Of course, next day he did only one. And then he again did 80. I was never envious. When he did more? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, so that's good. As I said last night, envy is, is the most unbecoming thing for a devotee. Sometimes we see it. Oh, it's so unbecoming. You're a devotee and you have envy. There's no place for that whatsoever. So you have a, if, if you have no envy, uh, then you have a clean heart. There still may be... I don't believe that. There may be other things there, but we don't consider them as serious as envy. Envy is very, very difficult to make progress. If we become envious, we cannot tolerate other people's advancement. And then we, we find ourselves simply um, finding fault in them. Even they are doing something good, we're finding uh, some fault. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was, was a sannyasi, and uh, what was his name? Ramchandra Puri found some ants in the vicinity, said, oh, the sannyasi must be eating sweets. Why? Why there are so many ants here? This way, this means envy. If you, it will cause us to find fault where there is, there's no fault. So, I see it sometimes in devotees. It brings uh, a tear to, to the eye. It's very, very unbecoming. So I'm not surprised that, that you, you're not acquainted with it because most devotees don't have any substantial envy. So... Deal with the lust and anger and, and, and greed. <laughs> That'll keep you busy for a while. Anything else? Yes. Uh, I'm thinking of starting a temple here, so I was, I was thinking you'd be one of the members, actually. Hmm. Our book distributor. <laughs> well. <laughs> yes? Uh, when we talk about the, all this exalted personalities and, and and then you sit here and you hear the nice questions and the nice topics and then you ask yourself oh, wow where's the where am where am I fitting in here sometimes you get the feeling that that uh, am I going anywhere you know because everybody's so 
have nice questions and just sitting here, you know, trying to grasp what you're saying. But in here, out there, and you talk about fixing the mind, about Arjuna and his doubts. Who was Arjuna comparing to me? You know, what's the hope for me? Yes, I can see that you're making progress. Shridhar <laughs> yeah. Marsh used to say that those who think that they're not getting anywhere, they are getting somewhere. It is said in the Upanishads, those who say they know Brahman, don't know Brahman. Those who say they don't know Brahman, they know Brahman. There's a story about Srimad Bhagavatam. Father sent his son from Vrindavan to Banaris to get an education. So his father, his son went and got an education, came back to Vrindavan. The father said, so you got an education? Yes. Banaris is a place of learning. So his father said, did you study Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, no, we don't uh, think we studied that book. father said, oh, then you didn't get an education. Go back to Banaris and study Srimad Bhagavatam. Even though you studied so many other books, without studying Bhagavatam, you don't have an education. So his son went back to Banaris, studied Srimad Bhagavatam, came back. father said, so did you study Srimad Bhagavatam? He said, yes, now I understand why you sent me back. That book is, is infinitely more valuable than all the other books. So father said, so now you've understood Srimad Bhagavatam. He said, yes, thank you. So father said, you better go back to Banaris and study Srimad Bhagavatam again. <laughs> again he went back to Banaris. Again he studied Srimad Bhagavatam. Again he returned home to Vrindavan. And the father said, so did you study Srimad Bhagavatam a second time? He said, yes, now I understand why you sent me back. I, I studied once and I go the second time and I realized I didn't understand anything the first time. The father said, now you, so now you understood Srimad Bhagavatam. He said, yes. He said, well, you better go back to Banaris study Srimad Bhagavatam again. So again he went, again he returned. The father said, so you studied Srimad Bhagavatam. He said, I guess you could call it that. I, I, yes, we, we studied Srimad Bhagavatam. And he said, so you understood it? He said, I come to the conclusion I cannot understand Srimad Bhagavatam. Father said, now you've understood Srimad Bhagavatam. Such is the nature of the subject. So, if we think I'm not really going anywhere, it's such a big thing, it's so... Uh, then we're getting the, a clear picture. That's good. <laughs> it is a big thing. Yes. If we think... Some of Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur's disciples came to him once after ten years of practicing. And they came in and... They had something on their mind, and but they were a little shy to present it. But Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasthi Thakur could understand. They wanted to ask some question. They have some doubt. What is it? He said, so what is on your mind? What is your question? They said, well, Guru Maharaj, you're always talking about high things. And we have been practicing now for ten years and listening. And we are even sannyasis but we don't feel that those high things are coming in us, so we have a doubt. Then he said, oh, I'm relieved. If you had said, now after ten years, all those high things are coming, then I would have a doubt. Then I would be concerned that you misunderstood. That's not so cheap. <laughs> that it will, ten years of practice, that all these high things will come to you. Take some time. So, Sridharmarsh used to like to say, as I mentioned, those who are feeling they're not getting they're actually getting something. 
So one of my godbrothers said, well, Guru Maharaj, what if you really aren't getting, <laughs> you know, really? Then Sri Maharaj said, really you feel? Then really, oh, you're really making progress. <laughs> Actually, you see, if we really feel like that, then we'll do something about it. We don't really feel like that. If we really feel, this is so high and uh, I, I'm so, I'm nowhere in this. I'm nowhere, I'm nothing, I'm so insignificant. If we really feel like that, I'm so insignificant, but then we do something about it. We don't really feel like that. But at any rate, it's good if you, if you, if you, if you there's two things you should feel. If you sit before your guru, you should feel two things. One, I'm nowhere, nothing in this. But there's great possibility for me. At the same time, the two contradictory feelings. The great possibility lies here. Although I'm not anywhere now, but that I've understood. That's a good thing. And that's the beginning of understanding, oh, you have a great possibility, great potential. Because as long as you're thinking, I'm really somebody. I'm a great catch. Some guru will pick me up and be really lucky. I'm going to find... I'm going to find the best guru there is. I mean, we should think like that in a sense, but not to the point where we think, because I'm the best <laughs> disciple, and I'm so important, and uh, I'm sure he'll recognize me when he sees me <laughs> and want my service. Not like that. So, don't be too concerned. It's good you feel, oh gosh, so overwhelming. I felt like that too. <laughs> Another question? What's the time now? Quarter to twelve. Oh, okay, so the time is stopped. Come again this evening if you can. Okay. See Bhakti Gidanta Swami Prabhupada Jai Bhakti Raksasidani Goswami Maharaj Kijai Bhakti Siddhanta Sasvitaku Prabhupada Jai Bhakti Vinod Parivar Kijai 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 Bhakti Vinod Parivar K